Hi, it's Monday, and uh, if you saw my review, you say I'm surrounded by <laughs> a wall of books for this and that, for college, for Shabbos, for all the rest of it. And I thought of something when I, when I was uh, somewhere today that I wanted to uh, put out. Fortunately, this is uh, all being uh, very generously sponsored by Mishpach Stefanski by way of the background and the uh, history of the Hagan and the practices. <coughs> so I want to thank them. And I'll tell you what I was at. I was thinking about cirrhosis, um in the broad sense. <coughs> um, I'll tell you what happened. Last week, the other day, I did something about the blood libel because that's what you're not supposed to have red wine, even though you're supposed to have red wine. And the blood libel, of course, the Ali Tom had to do with the fact that the Gaim said, especially the Christians, Catholics, the Jews take uh, blood, dam, and they use it for Passover. Notice to use for the matzah. And I mentioned that this is called chimerical anti-Semitism because it's never happened. So how can somebody even imagine such a thing? Now it's possible you have sick dogs out there, and anybody can imagine something <clears throat> that never happened. Especially when it comes to anti-Semitism, why not? Nevertheless, the kasha is also a good kasha. How could somebody uh, come up with these sorts of ideas? Where did it come from? I might say that for Christians, this was particularly complicated <clears throat> because at the center of Catholic worship is the Mass in which, indeed, coming from the first Passover Seder, the way they understand it, the Last Supper, Jesus said, eat, uh, you know, eat of my body and drink of my blood. So when you're a Catholic, that's what you do. So they're accusing the Jews of using blood, you know what I mean, for ceremonies, but they do. Now, they use wine, but they say, well, it becomes blood. They believe this. So that's Professor Langbroom had a whole thesis, made sense also, about how the um, Alil Islam arose at a time of a certain crisis of faith in Catholicism in the 13th century, etc. <clears throat> but I'll tell you where I was coming with this. Um, this morning in Shul, what I do is, <clears throat> uh, when I'm in Shul and Shachos, I go through, you know, Shulchan Aruch, basic stuff. And, uh, yeah, Mechab Ramon a little bit more. And, you know, working your way through, because i got to do it, that's my job. And I'm up to the Seder, and I'm looking at Tufayn Gimel, 473, when they walk you through the Seder, starting Din Kos Risham Seder Pesach Kosheni, you know, first part of Seder, okay. And, you know, everywhere you see it, it might, for whatever reason, my attention was drawn to the Charosis part. <clears throat> no, as it tells you, as you walk you through the Seder, in uh, Tufayn Gimel Simen Hay. That, you know, you visit the Yorokos for the Chavis, uh, the Maror, and so forth, right? And uh, you go through the Maror process, and uh, then the Ramah, not the Machaber, says, and you do the Charosis. Uh, which I believe follows the Rambam, who doesn't have him use the Charosis at this part, I think. Anyway, use whatever you use. But Charos is this Ramah talking, Yasa'ov, Zechelatit. That the Charos is you make thick, which reminds you of the tit, you know, the mud, the lime that they're working in, the salt mines over there in the, in the brick pits, kilns. And then you put in red wine, Zechelatom. Oh. So in other words, the, the, it should be red, and that should be like the blood. It's a symbol, it's wine. Get it? It's not blood, it's wine. Uh, and then he talks about fruits that you throw in there, okay? 
And I see he's quoting the Torah. The Ramah is quoting the Torah. So in other words, you have in the ceremony of the Passover Seder, this institution in which you have a certain thing that symbolizes blood. On Pesach, at the Seder. <clears throat> now, the whole institution of Harosis, in the light of the last two talks I gave on um, the history of the Seder, this Stefanski series. So, I pointed out that, you know, originally the Seder started as a kind of symposium type model. Symposium, by the way, not symposium. And then it got Eretz and rabbinized and so forth. Until it eventually evolved to the form we know it today. But if you go back originally, so consider this well. Pesach Matzamor is in the Torah. So a Seder had Pesach Matzamor. Whether you hold, you eat it this way or that way. Those three elements you have. That's a Daraisa. That was in the time of, uh, you know, Yoshua Benon, you see. The other parts are later add-ons. A Karpas, for example, uh, you know, and so, and Charosis. That's where I'm going with this. First Tutsuch with Charosis. Where did that come from? It's not in the Chumash. It's not an Iker part of the eating of Karm Pesach. Therefore, it couldn't be part of whatever meal they had before the Seder, as we understand it was organized, the way that it did. And the Gemara themselves are trying to figure out what the heck is Charosis. By the time of the Mishnah, the Charosis was there. <coughs> because it's mentioned in the Mishnah. However, the Mishnah itself is not 100% clear what the Charosis is. What does it say? Um, oh yeah, yeah. What's the language in the Mishnah here? That... Have you shown me in front of me. This is the famous mission that goes through the Seder. Okay, so that's interesting. Matzah, I understand the chazeres. Okay, what's with the charosis? mitzvah. So the charosis is an add-on. It's in other words, it's something later in history. It's that's the mission saying. It's not part of a pesach matzah more. Okay. And if it's not a mitzvah, then it's like the Gemara says therapeutic, you know, to save you from the poison and all that. Reb Lezim and Tzadik Omer mitzvah. Reb Lezim and Tzadik says, <clears throat> no, it was a mitzvah. So basically what they're arguing about is the antiquity, or lack thereof, of the institution of the charosis at the Passover Seder. Now it's very interesting, and many will recall this, that the Chacham said it's just a, you know, a medical and Rebbe Tzadik says it's a mitzvah. Rebbe Lezim Tzadik is a very interesting person. He's the son, as best as we can tell, of the famous Rebbe Tzadik, who's the guy that starved, you know, that uh, was uh, fasting for Jerusalem. Do you remember the story? I know you do remember the story. When Riochan Mazakai sneaked out of the siege of Jerusalem and went to Vespasian, he said, give me three things. One was Tain Liyavno Chachameho, and the other one was Spare the Family of the Nasi, and the third one was get a doctor for Rapsodic. Right? Remember that? Because he was so skinny because he was starving, davening away and fasting for Yishalayim. So this is his son. Sammy's were dealing with a guy who was there at the time of the base of Migdash. And indeed, the Gemara says very famously that uh, he says, I remember the Tagar Yishalayim used to say uh, who wants to get, uh, you know, uh, a mitzvah for, for Yontav. Those when they would sell the Chorosas or whatever, 
There's who, who wants to, they, they would call it a mitzvah. Like a very firm way of talking, you know. Mitzvahs for sale. And they meant, of course, they were paying something meant for the Kharosis. All which means to say, they already had this in the temple times. So the sages would be saying the Kharosis is something new and who knows where it came from. And he's saying, no, it was there before. And he's giving personal testimony. Because I'll tell you again, we have a number of testimonies. If you go through uh, Shas, you know, what he talks about the way things were back in time, based on English. Now, I really shouldn't stick my finger into this because the exact identity of Rilezim Tzadik and whether there's two or three of them with different time periods is a Gansom Avuch among the historians. Uh, those who are interested in chasing down that rabbit hole, you've got to get your rusty, trusty Seder Tanev Amrein from Aaron Hyman, the old classic from 1905, in which he went in great length to discuss the Rilezim Tzadik phenomenon. It's all on HebrewBooks.com so you can get it from Aaron Hyman, <coughs> one of the golden oldies. But Pashim Shah, by me, I understand that Rebbe Tzadok is the famous son that I just said before, of the famous Rebbe Tzadok. And uh, he was the Yotzeb by the house of the Rebbe Gamliel. He's a famous person. Now, um, that means already at that time there's a fight in the Mishnah dispute, which was recorded as late as the Mishnah, but Tam Yudah Nasi, what is this Kharosis business? Okay? What is this Kharosis business? <clears throat> and in the Gemara, they're trying to discuss how to make it. And uh, it's interesting, if you go into Bavli, I guess. So, what does it say? Uh, uh, okay, my mitzvah, Rablevi Zechel Tapuach. That's where Tapuach. What the heck is Tapuach? I mean, let's put it this way. There aren't too many apple trees in Egypt if you know the climate and everything, but okay. Tapuach. So that's already like you know, that would remind us of the miraculous birth of the babies. Rabbi Yochanan That's a different story altogether. That's a different story altogether. The, and that's the usual way we understand it. I mean, do we understand both ways. Uh, the tit would be the thick mud and the brick junk that they had to work in and it was backbreaking and killing labor it was just horrible from a physical perspective and consequently you know it's a part in the Seder when you recall the suffering <clears throat> which is actually very interesting because on the one hand I think well what I'm about to say on the one hand the Torah Dika Seder just touches very briefly you eat more. I mean, you understand there was a time, if there was a time there was no davening until Don Chikasegdola, obviously it was a time there was no Haggadah of any sort. And so on Passover e- evening, you did the Karm Pesach, you came home with your family, following whatever the rules are, and you ate the Karm Pesach. It wasn't such a good as Kadesh Orchatz, Karpas Yachatz. And there wasn't even words because the Torah Shabbat Pet didn't exist. If you go far enough back, the Torah of exists other than the Chumash. So, whatever they did at a Seder once upon a time, and I shouldn't use the word Seder, but at a Passover meal on the night of Pesach, once upon a time long ago, which is a big deal in the Chumash, you have to do it, was uh, made up. Whatever you uh, felt like saying. You understand? Whatever you felt like saying. <clears throat> so the only thing we know is he Pesach Matzamor. So, the moral is tricky, because the moral can be understood 
as a uh, reference to bitterness. Okay. However, demara can also be understood quite differently. Uh, and the, it makes a big nafkamina whether or not you have meat or not. If you understand mara as a kind of a flavoring, a condiment, it's not bitter at all. Well, let's put it this way. It's bitter in a tasty way, like a Tabasco sauce. So, once upon a time, when they had mara together with the with the carbon Pesach and all the rest of it, now here you get into the question of did they eat it all together like a sandwich or not. I don't want to touch on that. Let's just say they ate it together in some fashion. Right? Ate together in some fashion. So, the mara is part of like a, a, either a sandwich or some variation thereof, in which it's adding flavoring to the meat. Right? To the whole eating experience. It's very flavorful. Get it? It's very flavorful. So you don't see the mara as something uh, bitter. So who says, long, long, long ago, when they were in, you know, Bayes Rishon, for example, that when they got to Pesach Matzimah and the mara part, who says that they said, Oh, by mara's chayehim b'avodakasha. Mechtesi. In fact, the Nitziv in his Hagar said they didn't. The mara was a condiment. It's very aesthetically pseudopast. Uh, that what had formerly become a condiment, when the basin mixture is destroyed and you no longer have a crumb Pesach, and you just see the matzah plain and the mara plain, then it becomes bitter. In other words, the uh, taste side of it reflected now the historical reality. When you had a basin mixture and there was and everything was okay, so then the bitterness was, you know, uh, absorbed together with the other flavor. It was a flavorful item. Tasted good. Like I say, a little bit of Tabasco sauce, a little bit of this, whatever they call it. But uh, when you didn't have basic English, then all of a sudden you're just eating, you know, just just the Tabasco by itself. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's all it is. And so the result is that, uh, you know, it's bitter. Okay? Now, my point is, so it's nothing intrinsic in the ceremony of eating Karm Pesach, that you have to discuss the suffering of Claudius Rome when they were slaves in Egypt. Okay? Uh, and again, I am influenced by Nenetzis, which I saw a long time ago, that, and I was into when I was young a lot, because he's aware of these historical changes, and, uh, what shall I say, the the nature of the whole uh, ceremony was one in which you talk about Geula, you know, that sort of thing. And the Jew was happy because he was now in Eretz Yisrael, and all that was behind him, and he didn't want to dwell on the nitty-gritty of the suffering, and so on and so forth. You're happy Hashem gave you what you have today. Masha'en came when the base of Mishra was destroyed, so then you went back to something of a repetition of Gaulus. You get, I mean, a Gaulus Mitzrayim. In, in Judaism we have in classical thought, five Gauluses. The Gauls of Mitzrayim and then the other four. So obviously by the time you get to Pesach, the Gauls of Mitzrayim is over, but then you have the other four. However you understand in Babel, Persia, and so forth. So the uh, uh, exile that was, you know, once upon a time, the exile that had been before has now returned. So here you are post Corbid, and we're sort of like back to square one, sort of. Avonim Hayinu, and now we're Avonim now. We used to Avonim to Pyro, now we're Avonim to Rome. And that was the reality of it. Everybody knows that. So, 
the Maurer now assumed a different identity in its ideational sense, that now it's a symbol of more, of bitterness. So out of that emerged, I think, um, an entire ceremony in which you symbolize, you, you recall the sufferings of the Gauls, because now we're in Gauls. And if what they say in the Shulchan Aruch and such places are right, that's what the, the Charosis is. It's a Zechel Adam, it's a Zechel Atit, and all those sorts of things. Uh, it's, it, it's uh, you know... Reminds me of horrible times. Horrible times. Uh, now, uh, what kind of a dumb? Uh, well, it's a, you know, the, the answer is, first of all, I don't know. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, we don't know for sure, but I'll tell you what the uh, different Mephoshim suggest. What blood is the Harosis reminding you of? Um, so there's the real way and the political correct way. <coughs> the real way is they tortured the heck out of Jews and they killed them. Well, but where do you see blood in the story? I'm asking a good question. Where do you see blood? I mean, they threw babies in the river, but it says that. But where do you see blood? They shed their blood. It doesn't doesn't say that in in Shemos, not that I recall. That's this interesting point I'm raising. It doesn't say, you know, dumb specifically. You understand? Um... You might say, listen, you know, if they put babies in the bricks and so forth and so on. I mean, you know, I get that. But <clears throat> what is a zechel adam? <clears throat> it sounds like there's a there's a special thing of blood connected with the story. But wh- where do you see that? So um, it came to be seen by classical rabbinic literature as a reference to the notorious tale that Pharaoh bathed in the blood of the children. Okay. Which Rashi, of course, brings in the Chumash. Uh, those of you interested in Seder Vorts, you will possibly recall that we will mention in the Seder that very important Pesach. So a famous scene where they're crying out at the death of Pharaoh, and they're going crazy, we can't handle this anymore. And Hashem hears it. And the next line in the narrative is, he wakes up a guy named Moses far away in Midian and gets him on the road. Where you know he's going to see a burning bush. So in other words, the uh, I've said this word many times in the past, I think for the Chido, I like it, where you know they're crying their heads off, nothing seems to be happening, but 500 miles away or 600, whatever it is, you know, Hashem said, okay, the show's getting on the road. And by this time next year, you're going to be free. Because that's what happened. Uh, I'm sure the slaves didn't realize it's the moment, but that's what happens. <clears throat> so what's the shot that the Torah tells you? So many before some say like this, they had a day off. Usually they worked them to death, you know, um, sunrise to sunset. And they have no time to think or dominate or anything like that. But in the day of the funeral... So all the slaves got a day off to participate in the funeral, and they're crying out, and they're crying out like in North Korea. You got to cry out, or else they'll shoot you. And so uh, they pretend to be crying out for for Paro, but really they're crying out for themselves. And that's the usual way of going that mahal. However, um, others, Mefarshim, classical Mefarshim, like Rashi, had trouble with that. Vayamis Melch Mitzrayim, and they cried out. I mean, Adrabo. The, the evil, wicked king of Egypt died. They should be happy. 
and hope that the next king will be better. Uh, why now are they crying out? So because of that question in Pshat, Sarashi brings that uh, uh, obscure medrash where he says that Pyro did not die at all. That's not what happened. Uh, Pyro got leprosy and started killing the children to cure it, and that freaked him out because their children are being massacred. So, by Yom Ram Mohem, by Yom Asmelch Mitzrayim, Pharaoh got leprosy, by Yom Chabad Yisrael Medavadavikashu, and the murder of the children now, the massacre of the innocents, arose and, and caused a tremendous anguish. They cried like they never did before because now their children are being exterminated. That's the way to read that the Pusik. Um Otherwise, you don't see it. Um, I'm sure Lemaisa, a lot of blood was shed. You know, uh, I have a, a friend, somebody in my shul, he's in his 90s, was in the Holocaust. Uh, he's not rooting for Ukraine, I'll tell you that right now. And uh, he was in Buchenwald, and he said, yeah, and in in uh, Auschwitz also, I believe. And he said, the Ukrainian guards, you know, when you couldn't stuff enough people into uh, the gas chamber, it was filled up. It said it wasn't enough room, so they would pull the little children out and stuff the adults in it and take the children by the feet and whack them against the, the wall and bust their head open. Like it says, Ashrei She He said, that's who the Ukrainians were. So I'm sure that happened in Egypt also, but it doesn't say so. Right? It doesn't say so. When you have the the Seder and the Tanakh and this sort, they go with like explicit references. And so the Dom would be when it says the Pharaoh got a Nitzdarav, that he would check the babies, the little children, and, and bathe in the blood. Uh, that's not in the Gemara, by the way. And uh, it's not in Medrash either. Uh, but it is, I forget where, uh, it is in some old sources. And I'm raising a scholarly question now, like, where does that come from? I'll tell you something really funny. I remember, it is in Artabanus. There was a very famous, completely unknown Jewish historian. Before Philo, before Josephus, in the Hellenistic year in Egypt, in, in Egypt Mamish around the time that I got to the symposium, put together Artabanus. And uh, he's a Jew. And he writes his uh, history of the Jews. Josephus quotes from it. Mostly it's from the church fathers, you know about it. Uh, he's the guy who says that, that Avram Avinu taught mass to the Egyptians, you know, when he came there. And he says Pharaoh used to bathe in the blood of the babies. So notice that's a story written down on paper in Greek. Uh, centuries before the Mishnah. I mean, it's old, okay? I don't prove it's true, but I'm just saying it's old. And there's a noon out there. Uh, if you go online, you'll find Steinsalz, Rabbi Steinsalz, the late Steinsalz, in a one-minute vart who says, I used to think the story about the blood was like a legend, but then I studied up on ancient uh, uh, medicine 3,000 years ago, and they used to believe that skin diseases are cured with human blood. So if you're paro, you want a lot of human blood and fresh blood, and so on and so forth. So that's oiva voip. If they massacred uh, innocent ch- children, uh, that's what your mezechel adam. So that is commemorated in the red wine that you put into the charosis. 
I'll say it again. I'm not making it up. It's, it's, it's in the, 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 the Ramah says that Harus is Yasa of Sechalatit, that you put in the, uh, you make it thick, and that reminds you of the physical suffering they had while they're working among all this thick tit, you know, the, 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 the dirt, the lime, the mud, and all that stuff, making the bricks. And the red wine, you put in to remember the blood. So it's kind of funny because I don't think most people today, when they get to the charosis part, they look forward to it because it tastes good. And you dip the mortar in it and this and that and the other. It's like a high culinary highlight of the Seder. And people are like in a happy mood when they get the charosis. You already finished the magen and all the rest of it. You don't say, oi, now we're taking off a minute to commemorate the massacre of the babies. You see? This is interesting. The massacre of the babies. Uh, but that's what it is. Zechel Adam. I didn't make it up. Now, by the way, the Carbon Ada, who is from the 18th century, he was the Rabbi Moses Mendelssohn, he says Zechel Adam means the, the plague of blood. Um, but I know why he said that. Now I'll tell you what I think. Uh, that means that on Passover, Jews had a ritual called the Seder, part of which involves some that commemorates blood. Now, you might say, that's not using blood for moths and all the rest of it. I get that. You know, I understand that. But I want to tell you something. What do you do? When do you do the cherosis? There's a million minhagim out there. I know what you and I do today, but I'm just telling you, in the history of the Seder, it developed a lot of different variations. And if you get, uh, I think, the Menachem Kashragar or somebody like that, they give you all the different, you know, minhagim, which are quite different than what you and I do around the world. You know, the Yemenites and this and that and the other, you know, Kurdistan. So you know, there's a lot of very interesting variations. By the way, there are a lot of variations on, on the ingredients um, for the for the, for the charosis, you know. Uh, there's the Arizal stuff that his mother used to make, and there's, you know, and different, uh, 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 what do you call it? Different uh, fruits. Uh, I saw a historian who said... Rashi, himself, Rashi, he's the one who introduced apples into the uh, into the thing because he lived in Champagne. You know, um, they're not so common in, in other places. Uh, the recipe here, I'm reading something from Guggenheim's Haggadah. The recipe of Dari, or his mother, calls for three kinds of spices: sweet spikenard. Don't ask me what spikenard is, but some of you women will know: ginger and cinnamon. And seven types of mashed fruit, great mashed fruit, grapes, figs, pomegranate kernels, dates, walnuts, apples, and pears. Um, and this is from the what do you call it, Moshe Cordovero. So, and, and he also says that in Northern Europe, now he was in 16th century Cordovero, Northern Europe, where you couldn't get a lot of these things, where only the last three kinds of fruit were available. Charosis was made from apples, pear, and walnuts. Why? Because in Yiddish, apple, beren, and nuss. Yenusa is, is, is nuts. It can come out to Evan, Alf Beis Nun. And then you can say Bacharoshis Evan, or if you're lift back, Bacharoshis Evan. Then for the Charoshis, you use the Evan, which again is the Ephel, the Beren, and the Nus. So you see all the <clears throat> wild and crazy variations you do this. Now, um, we eat the Mora, of course. Uh, you, know, you dip it in at the time of the Mora. That's not everybody. The Rambam, if you take the trouble to look, 
at his Seder, the Rambam in the Hilchus Chametz Matzah Perches gives you the Seder. And by the way, it's it's a very good thing to read because he discusses the Seder, what it's like when there's a carbon Pesach and how we modify it afterwards when there's no carbon Pesach. Okay? Uh, so he talks about, you know, at this point you make a brach, and so forth and so on. But then he says, this in Perches, Halacha Ches, um, listen very closely. Bizman Azesh, ain't shown carbon. Nowadays we don't have a carbon. Achshem Avrach Motzi Lechem. So then we get to what you and I call Motzi Matzah. So first you do a Motzi Lechem in Aretz. Chosem Avrach Alachilas Matzah. Umatabo Matzah Bacharosis Viochel. So the Ramah says you dip the matzah in the Chorosis. You don't do that. I don't do that. I asked around some Sephardi friends, real Sephardim, and as far as they know, the Yemenites do it. That's what I was told today. Um, and I, I'm just not familiar with that. You dip the matzah in the chrosis. Okay. So now, I'm going to tell you my theory. Uh, and that is, here you go, Jews, long ago, in many places, had a Seder in which you take the matzah and you dip it in the chrosis. as part of the ritual. The chrosis is Zechel Adam, among other things, Zechel Atid, Zechel Adam. And so you're dipping the matzah into blood. You see what I'm saying? Now, not really, of course, it's wine. But, but uh, again, dipping the matzah into blood. I'll bet you money that you had geisha, uh, uh, waiters, waitresses, servants, and things like that there at the Seder, especially anybody could afford it. I think the Rambam is famous when he gets to, uh, where is it again? The part about... Um, the halachas of uh, Magid. Uh, where is it? Here we go. Where he says something like, "Yeah, listen to this. This in in uh, is all the what do you call Perzayin? Halachas Chametz Matzah Perzayin, Simon base. Mitzvah lahodil abonim vafilo shalu shkinem rav higarat labincha lafi daito of alamdo etc etc abonim vanil." Here we go. You you teach the son according to where he's holding. Kesad, this is the Ram I'm talking. If he's a young kid or not very smart, Omerlo, you see, you try to simplify the story as much as possible. Bini, Kulonu Hoyinu Avodim, Kamo Shifcha Zu, O Kamo Evidze, Ben Mitzrayim, O Belayla Zeb, Potosan Kashbako, Vyotzin Ochiris. Hear the language he said? Here's Moses Maimonides at his Seder. And he's saying to a son or someone who's not smart or very young, we used to be slaves like this slave who's over here and this shivcha. In other words, at the table, they have avodim mishpachas because they could afford it. The Rambam was a doctor after all. You know, he could afford it. And so you have people present at the Seder. Now, what do they see? They see a bunch of ceremonies and they see the Jews, you know, with chorosis um, on the table. And they hear the Jews talking to each other, and they say the chorosis represents the dam, the blood of the children. And then the guy sees ceremonially, you take the matzah and you dip it in the blood, as he understands it, meaning in the in the red wine. And he goes home and tells the Gal, guess what? The Jews are using blood for the matzah, because I saw it with my own eyes. Be'enerisi. You see, I think this is the, the, the source of a lot of trouble. This is probably we're all, in my humble opinion, I think this is a, a very good candidate for where this popped up that people could come up with this kind of association, which is something very far from Judaism, and no one ever did it. 
It's not like one person didn't blame all the Jews for that. No one ever took Dom and used it for anything, as we all know. But you have symbolic Dom, and it is red, and it's mixed up with the, with with, with uh, mushed up with all kind of other stuff over there. There, based what the Avonim and the Shvachos are thinking about as they bring the food back and forth to the Seder. So, if you want a modern example of that, think of a, first of all, plenty of families today have um, you know live in help, so to speak, and who will be uh, waiting on hand and foot at the Seder. I get that. Uh, moreover, think of people in Pesa Hotel. Well, imagine a father who's saying, hey, you should know that we have here Charoises, we're going to dip it in here, and Raboisai, the Charoises is of, it's thick, Zechel tit, because we had all the tit as Mitzrayim, and it's also got wine, Zechel Adon, because all this dumb Mitzrayim, you know, what are, what are the waiters going to say back and forth to each other? The Jews are using blood. You understand? So, uh, you got to be real careful what you say and think about and in front of who you're talking in connection with the Pesach Seder. I'm pretty sure I'm right. I mean, I can't prove it, obviously. But I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. And it goes to the origins of the Charosa ceremony. Now, again, uh, if it really dates, as Relevant Sadiq suggests, to the period when there was still a second base of Migdash, a second base of Migdash, so I don't know what the origin is, because we don't know how old the Charos is. We don't know how old the Charos is. It's very old. Uh, if it's post-second base of Migdash, then it's obviously reflecting the newly found exile status of Klal Yisrael after the Korban Bayesheni. But if it's older than that, so it's called a mitzvah, but it nevertheless represented a locus of remembrance of the suffering, because I'll repeat... There was no other locus, no other place of of mentioning the suffering in the classic Passover Seder of once upon a time when the base of Mishnah was still around, before the Mishnah and all the rest of it, because the martyr, as I said before, was not really seen as a as a source of of um, of, of bitterness. It was eaten flavorfully together with the rest of the sandwich. I'm sure there's some intimate connection with this Ramagamliel. When he says, you know, if you didn't say the three things, you're not Yodzeh the Choba, maybe he was focusing or especially on the Mara part, which was a new experience that people should say, you know, the Mara is my Mara is Chayam. Uh, I'm not sure about that, but, uh, but you know, it, 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 it's very Mistaber. I, I share all this with you to try my best to take you back, you know, in terms of mindset to the time when the Seder, as we understand it, was gelling, was coming together, the ceremonies were there, um, and when Jewish circumstances obviously changed, as a result of the Romans and stuff like that, and the Seder, and its emphasis, and its symbolism, and the culinary symbolism of things like the Harosas emerged to reflect the new reality, but as I said before, by the time you get to the Middle Ages, this new reality could, could come to bite you because, you know, if you have a Christian religion in which they say that Yashka was at the Seder, that's the Last Supper, and he said, drink my blood, they're already thinking about the Seder and blood and the Jews killing him, and then they see this Jew say, here's the Chorosis, and the Chorosis represents the Dom. Uh, to me, you can already see pretty clearly how the whole thing came uh, 
to 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 come together in a nefarious way. Anyway, as I said before, I wanted to share uh, that idea to take you back to early years of the Seder. And uh, again, I want to thank Mishpacha Savansky for uh, underwriting these uh, these talks about the Seder. And with that, I bid you a good week. <laughs>